morning, church. Today's uh, scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verses 1 through 11, and you can find that on page 17 in your Black Pew Bibles. Please stand with me as we honor the Lord in the reading of his word. And the word says, The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came, uh, came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do, do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the, sh- the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow, they, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they stri- and they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. This is the word of the Lord. The general approach when we come to uh, this passage is to undertake a biblical view of homosexuality. In the more, uh, shall we say, liberal segments of Christendom. The focus on preaching in this passage is not on the issue of homosexuality, but rather on the issue of hospitality and that this was a sexual attack. And so they would claim that homosexuality is itself is not wrong. It was a lack of hospitality and the violence that was being perpetrated, that this was not a loving act And that's what brought God's judgment. We're going to address those issues uh, more if the Lord uh, allows next Sunday in the uh, sermon. But still, to some extent, those individuals are correct. You see, God's destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah came because of the amount and the type of the wicked acts there. I mean, if, if God acted simply because of their doing homosexual acts, then one would expect that Corinth, the wicked city of uh, the biblical times with as many homosexuals, and New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, that those would also be destroyed by fire. The cities of the plains that were destroyed by fire here at this time 
were destroyed, the scripture says, because of the extent of their wickedness and their lack of righteousness. Nevertheless, they were destroyed because they were wicked. That sin included the fact that they intended to commit sodomy, that is, homosexual acts. The Bible has a lot to say about homosexual sin. Anyone studying both the Old and the New Testaments will see that very clearly. Biblical view of homosexuality is that it is sin. Only someone with an agenda would deny that that's what the Bible actually teaches. Yet, what we learn from the verses today goes far beyond that issue. There is a lesson here on politics, on conservative values, and on the difference between being a good person and being a godly person. And so, as our theme states from this text, righteous individuals have firm foundations upon which their decisions rest, while good people often build their decisions on sand. Righteous people build the decisions of their lives upon God's righteousness. Good people build their decisions on what they feel are right, which is sand. So good people, their lives in the world, have good intentions. They often have good morals, but a righteous godly man is not the same as a just or good man. A righteous man is not the same as a just man. Let's look at that in this text. There are many people who are good in this world. Someone recently said, hell is going to be filled with good people. Lot was a good person. The New Testament actually calls Lot a just man. Some of the translations translate it as a righteous man, but that's because the Greek word can be translated as either just or righteous. The fact is, Lot was a just man, but Lot was not a righteous man, as we see in this text today. Consider how many times, though, when someone commits a crime, And their neighbors are interviewed, and they say, but he was such a good neighbor. He was such a a nice person. And that's what we see here with Lot as we look at verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. Those who have been here over the past few weeks This reminds you of Abraham, doesn't it? Like Abraham, when Lot sees these men, he's ready to extend hospitality to them. So notice that Lot is acting in response to his culture. Most of our interactions with other people happen out of learned behavior. We learn how to treat people. It might be learned from our parents. They may be the ones that have taught us. Or it may be the local culture and and how our culture reacts. I came from 
a suburban church in Pennsylvania where I'd pastored for 10 years. And I had grown up in rural Pennsylvania. So when I came to New York City, I came with culturally appropriate behaviors for somebody who lived in the suburbs and had been raised in rural Pennsylvania. So as I would walk down the street and I would see somebody, I would say, hello. And I think I scared the heebie-jeebies out of most of them. So I have learned that's not culturally appropriate. I've learned not to say hello to strangers anymore. I just simply mumble, how you doing? Well, I had learned cultural responses to strangers, particularly strangers that seemed to be well-to-do. Probably he had learned them either from Abraham or both of them had learned them from their former culture in either Ur of the Chaldees or in Quran, which is where they had lived prior to coming here. He had not, however, succumbed to the local culture, the culture of Sodom, Gomorrah, which we saw how badly the king of Sodom had treated Abraham without hospitality. And as we see in this passage, that all the people of the town, all the people of Sodom, are not being very hospitable at all. Verse 2 states, And Lot said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. There's a saying, When in Rome, do as the Romans do. There's nothing wrong with reacting to situations in a culturally appropriate way. But as Christians, we should never respond just because it's culturally appropriate. We should always be asking ourselves whether or not how we act or how we interact in any given situation is God-glorifying. In other words, do we simply respond because we're in Brooklyn and so we have to respond in that way? Or do we ask ourselves, is my response going to glorify God? Many cultural norms are harmless, but not all of them are beneficial. For instance, it might be culturally appropriate, given certain ethnic um, situations, to serve a bit of wine with dinner. Or perhaps even if you're going to visit somebody to bring a bottle of wine with you. Yet, is that always a good idea? Suppose the person that you're meeting with is a former alcoholic. Or maybe they are a confirmed teetotaler. Then perhaps it would not be so correct. Jesus often challenged the culturally acceptable practices of the Sadducees and the Pharisees of his time, if those things he felt contradicted either God's word or God's heart. So Lot acted in response to his culture, but notice that Lot also acted in response to his concerns. Concerns particularly for these men. 
We can see from Lot's response to the fact that these men said, no, we'll stay out here in the, in the center of the, the town, that Lot knew the wickedness of the hearts of the people of Sodom. We read at the end of verse 2, they said, no, well, we'll just spend the night out in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. Well, it was common to test the genuineness of an invitation by initially refusing, as these men did. No, we're okay. That's not the situation that's going on here. Lot knows how bad the streets of Sodom were. And so Lot has a deeper motivation than just culture in inviting these men into his home. Lot was concerned for these men's welfare. He did not trust them to the streets of Sodom, and as we can see from our text, for a very good reason. Sometimes as as Christians, we tend to focus on the bad actions of some in our world, and we forget that there are many good people in this world. People who are not Christians, but are still good. People who, who are still moral. For instance, some non-Christian teachers may see a young person in the school and go out of their way to help that struggling student so that he might escape from the urban gang culture. And they may not be a Christian. Bill and Melinda Gates are spending a great deal of their funds to help with the AIDS crisis in Africa. And the list can go on. There are many good people, moral people in our world. The reason? Because human beings have been created in the image of God. As a result, there are good behaviors that even terrible people will do. Someone was recently talking to me about the uh, Godfather movies, which I've never seen. They were telling me about them, but they were particularly talking about the fact that in the Godfather, there are positive behaviors that are taught by the crime family. Okay. Well, fact is, just people act justly in their society because they have been raised to act and to think in just ways. Conservatives and liberals alike tend to act in ways that they think will be both good for themselves, but also good for their community, good for the world. Being just or good is not, however, the same as being righteous. You see, righteousness grows out of a transformed heart. Righteousness grows out of a heart that has been opened up to the wonderful, living, powerful gospel of Jesus Christ, the transforming power of the good news that we can have life through Jesus Christ. And it changes the way that we think and the way that our heart responds. Where just actions come from people because they are created in the image of God, righteousness comes because we are recreated in the image of Christ. Lot 
was a just man. He was a good man. He was a man of law and order, our text teaches us. But a righteous man is not the same as a judicious man. You see, in verse 9, the Sodomites, they mock Lot because they say, oh, well, you're, you're going to be our judge? You're going to tell us what we ought to do and what we ought not to do? When Lot saw the evil, when he saw the injustice as being perpetrated, Lot was bothered by it. The scripture says that he, he, he actually struggled with the culture that he was living in. I often listen to uh, Fox News and to CNN. They're night and day different from each other on just about every topic that's out there. Fox News touts that it is conservative and it puts forth those things that promote conservative values. CNN has no problem acknowledging that it is more from a liberal perspective and supports those liberal views. Both, however, see that what they are doing as promoting good and fighting evil from their perspectives. The same is true of our court system. We have conservative judges, we have liberal judges. Each make their ruling based upon their own opinions of what is right and wrong. So, when Lot is faced with what he perceives to be this wrong behavior, this evil behavior in verses 4 and 5, he acts as a judge. It says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot. Where are the men that you came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we might know them. Lot, being a just, good man, is opposed to such behavior. He sees it as wrong. And so he steps out to do something about it. But let me point out that when he acts, it is not based upon God's laws that he acts. It is based upon his own opinions. So notice that Lot negotiated with these individuals based on belief in cooperation. In our modern world, there's this misconception that counseling and communication are going to solve all problems. Most major wars in the world resulted from the mistaken belief that the people on both sides were going to negotiate in good faith. This week, the U.S. delegation met with the Chinese delegation over trade. And as I listened to the various talking heads, they were spouting things off. The number one concern they had is, well, do you think we can trust the Chinese? Well, I bet the Chinese were asking the same question of the Americans. We made a deal with Iran. Whether you like the deal or not, we made a deal with them, and then we changed when we changed presidents. They could be asking the same question. The British, the French, the other nations talked with Hitler right up until the time that Hitler invaded their countries. And yet still, the wise people of this world 
keep returning to the same negotiating tables with terrorists and the wicked people of this world, just as Lot sought to do in our text. In verses 6 and 7, Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after them and said, I beg you, my brothers, don't act so wickedly. Let's negotiate this. Let's, let's talk about it. Now, if he was talking with reasonable people, maybe they might have listened. But he's communicating with a mob. It's a mistake for Christians to think that we can cooperate and communicate with the world and that they're going to treat us fairly. Jesus reminded us that what they did to him, they're going to do to us if we are like him. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Now, we usually use that to talk about not dating non-Christians and and not getting married to a non-Christian, but the, the reality is that passage is talking about all kinds of relationships, all kinds of interactions. We need to pay close attention to the way that Jesus interacted with the people of his day, especially to those who opposed him, but even to those who followed him but would not commit their lives to him. The scripture says, that Jesus, knowing their hearts, would not commit himself to them. As Christians, we are called to love our enemies. And we should. But it doesn't say that we should trust them. Unless an individual has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and they've begun to line up their belief and their lifestyle with his, then they are still sinners in rebellion against God. Or as the passage above that we, we said says, what fellowship has light with darkness, righteousness, with lawlessness, even if they are good, if their heart is not with Christ, then they are rebels against his kingdom. They will only do what they believe serves their own interests. They will not do what is right because it is righteous. But notice that Lot also negotiated on belief and compromise. Now, if you have a belief that you need to work towards peace and to find some kind of solution with the people who are opposed to you or opposed to God, then you will feel the need that you must compromise just as Lot does in verse 8. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they've come under the shelter of my roof. In other words, Lot is saying to, to these men, have compassion on me. But what kind of father would do that? What kind of father would trade his two daughters for two strangers? Yet Lot does it. And he does it because he believes so strongly in the cultural concept of hospitality. And he's trying to get this across to this mob. We live in a world where it's considered a good thing for us to compromise on on a belief if there's another belief that is of greater importance. 
Our politicians talk about this all the time. If someone is not willing to compromise, then our American culture will castigate them. President Trump, forced to reopen the government because the American people blamed him for the suffering imposed on, by the shutdown. Senator Ted Cruz, filibustered on the floor of the Senate over Obamacare a few years ago for 21 hours in a replay of Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Even his own party turned against him. Compromise is the name of the game. Tolerance, that's the cultural norm for today. Even if it means exchanging one evil for another evil. A righteous man will not compromise truth or righteousness. Even at the expense of his life, but a judicious man, a judicious man will do what he judges will bring an end to the conflict, even if it means permitting evil so that the conflict can end. Lot was willing to trade his daughters, even if they were going to be harmed. Abraham, however, would have called out his 318 men to fight for what was right. Jesus would not compromise, and therefore, he went to the cross suffering tremendous torture, even death, for the sake of righteousness. So we have Lot. Lot, in his attempt to compromise, to communicate, ends up in the wrong place, caught between the Sodomites and these men. When they decided that they'd had enough talk, and they were ready for action. Lot was in trouble. Now, remember, Lot was a just man. Lot was a good man with fairly good morals most of the time. But Lot failed to take a stand on his principles. As a result, he is put in danger for himself. And from this, we learn that a righteous man is not the same as a jeopardized man. A man who is in jeopardy. Well, what do I mean by that? You see, a righteous man can also be put in danger. But a righteous man puts himself in danger on purpose. A righteous man is willing to take a stand and willing to suffer if he has to. Missionaries do this all the time. They count the cost for the sake of Christ's kingdom. And then they go into areas that they know are dangerous and may cost them their life or even their families' lives. Good people, however, don't purposely jeopardize themselves. Though they often end up in danger because of the situations of life. Like Lot. Here in our text in verse 9. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn. He has become the judge. Now we'll deal worse with him than with them. 
And what Lot should have said at that point is, I don't care what you do to me. What you're doing is wrong. But instead, he wimps out. So notice that Lot's failure led to his being caught. His failure to stand for what was right, no matter what the cost, ends up with him being caught in a tight place. His attempt to negotiate it with them ended up with him being caught between the proverbial rock and a hard place. The people of Sodom would just as soon trample him as to let him live, even though he was their neighbor. The second half of verse 9 states, And they pressed hard against the man Lot, and they drew near to break down the door. Negotiating with people who have a sinner's heart and a selfish worldview is going to get you into trouble. I've listened to a number of discussions this past week over the New York State abortion law. The attempted passing of the law in Virginia and the one in Rhode Island. And it is appalling to me to hear grown men and grown women, smart people, say that a baby in the womb, even if the mother is starting to deliver, is still the property of that mother. And she may choose to kill it and do so legally. The New York Assembly when that bill passed, gave it a standing ovation. Pastor Tim Ricaldo, Gateway Church on Staten Island, who, by the way, will be here on February 24th at 6 p.m. to uh, bring us a concert of music. I would encourage you to invite your friends and family uh, to that as well. But anyway, he sent Governor Governor Cuomo a a well-written letter asking that the law should be reversed. He also pasted that letter, or posted that letter on Facebook, and Facebook removed it because it's hate speech. Killing a baby in the ninth month, that's not hate speech. But seeking protection for that baby is an act of hate. I'm glad that I am not of this world, as the song says, I'm just passing through. One thing I noticed, however, in the discussions that have gone on throughout this week, how surprised the conservatives have been over the positions of the liberals. Our Congress, senators, many of them just and good men, like Lot, have gotten themselves caught in the crosshair of all the compromises they've made over the past years. And therefore they have no answer because their foundation has been built on sand built on their own opinions as conservatives, and therefore they are shocked that the others aren't responding in a conciliatory manner. Notice that Lot's failure also required him being constrained by those men. It's only Christians who have rooted their beliefs on the solid rock of the truth of God's word and upon Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel that can stand in this hard time. Lot was in trouble 
because Lot was willing to compromise. He was willing to negotiate with evil. And so it took the angels of God to pull him to safety. Verse 10 says, But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. It is only God's power, my friend, that can overcome the wickedness of this world. It is not compromise. It's not negotiating. It is not trying to reason with people. We must know the truth, for it is only the truth that can set men and women free from their own opinions and their own way. It is only when men and women have a changed heart in the midst of life's confusion, turn to Jesus Christ and find life and find hope that you or I can be pulled out of the confusion, the quicksand that sucks us in to this world. We need to be rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word so we will not be pulled into the deceptions of this world. And then God will, on behalf of his people, respond as we see in verse 11. And they struck the blind, with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. The scripture tells us that Satan has blinded the minds and the eyes of people. They may be blinded to the word of truth, but God will blind the world in his attempt to destroy his church to destroy those that are righteous so that they will wear themselves out groping against the door. The scripture says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. A church that's founded on truth, a church that's founded on righteousness, that knows God's way and not willing to compromise that truth. In the end, God will always win. And so as we conclude this text this morning, I ask you, what is the foundation by which you view this world? Do you think that, you know, we can be able to just kind of negotiate and, and if, if we give enough information that the people of this world are going to say, oh, you Christians, you're so wise, you're so smart. Here, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, we're going to do away with abortion. We realize that that's wrong. Um, we're going to do away with homosexuality. We know that that's wrong. We're going to do away with, you know, all the stuff that we have been teaching our kids in school. That they're contrary to God's way. We're going to, we're going to bow before God. We're going to accept God's righteousness and his truth. No, we're autocrats. We believe in autonomy, self-law. And therefore, we have rejected God. And unless our hearts have been turned to him, we will fall. We will fail. So do you interact with the world based upon your feelings, your opinions, what you think is right and wrong, or on your faith, faith rooted in the Word of God, strong, true, without compromise. Let's pray.
Our Father in heaven, sometimes as Christians we look around at the world and we, we become confused because we do see just people. We see people that are good and, and they have good opinions and often they even agree with your word and your law. Forget, Lord God, that if they do not have Jesus Christ and they've not lined up their lives with His way, that it's their opinions and those opinions will change. We've seen it happening here in the United States as we shifted from 60 years ago where the Word of God was read in every home and in our schools the Judeo-Christian life for the most part or at least had those values as time has gone on they have changed because those laws were not based on the word of God but on the culture teach us Lord God your word and teach us to stand for righteousness and truth it can only come by faith in Jesus Christ who entered into a world that was dark wicked, willing to put even the Son of God to death, and yet through that made the way for the light of the gospel to come to us. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who has loved us with an everlasting love. Amen.